Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Survivor at Home podcast. This is a very special introduction today, as you're probably listening to this on November 11th, which is the day that we mark here in Canada, remembrance of our women and men in uniform and their families and the countless people affected by the atrocities of war. And as a special guest introduction, my daughter is going to read Flanders Fields by John McRae. In Flanders fields the poppies blow, between the crosses row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scared her to main the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago we lived, felt on, saw sunset glow, loved and more loved. And now we lie in Flanders Field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands we throw. The torch, be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders Fields. This is episode 8 of Survivor 43, titled Preposterous. My name is Jordan. I'm here alongside my uh, co-host, Andrew. And Andrew, we have a special guest. Would you like to intro who's along with us today? I would. Yes, this is, I think, my first family member outside of my... Oh, no, that's not true. I got to back this up. Yes, I would. <laughs> <Your> sister was on. <laughs> my sister, <laughs> Steph, was on. We've had yeah. many people on. Uh, anyway, this is not my first family member, but my first brother-in-law on the survivor at home podcast this is ryan bradshaw ryan thank you for joining us tonight i think long time listener first time caller is that true that is very true very true thanks for having me this is awesome i'm excited yeah yeah we're glad to have you on and you know people they listen they engage with this we have a growing audience every week but one of the people that likes and shares this the most is you ryan so we appreciate your enthusiasm and love uh, for the show and then being on here tonight we're really excited to break down the episode with you and uh yeah thank you thank you for doing this so so ryan first to get going because you're a first time co-host with us on the podcast we always like to ask people what's your survivor context when you started started watching um how big of a fan are you obviously you're a big fan you're following a niche podcast as well as uh, uh now co-hosting with us um and interacting but yeah what's kind of the survivor journey for yourself yeah so i actually remember watching season one i was probably i don't want to do the math on this otherwise i'll be called out as being the oldest survivor at home player uh but i remember season one um i actually had a good friend of mine that actually had a cast photo signed by everybody uh so i watched a good chunk of the first few seasons i dropped out in the middle there for a little bit didn't fall out of love with survivor but kind of 
felt it ran its course. And then I've kind of found it over the last maybe five or six seasons again. And now I'm right back into it. So what do you say to people at work or in even in our family who might say, oh, Survivor, that's the show that was around a long time ago. But like, you still watch that show? Like, what, what's your answer to why you are still so interested in this oh, it's, amazing show? It's, it's better than ever, to be completely honest with you, at least for me. Um, I feel like it's still relevant. Uh, it continues to reinvent itself, add new twists. Uh, the casts are always engaging. So you kind of get sucked right back into it. Every season's different. Players are different. It's just every season. It's great. Right. So you've because you've watched some of those early seasons and now recently, mm -hmm. there's a lot that is good. And we've talked a lot about that. But also, one of the big, biggest criticisms is that there are no secrets, right? People seem to be holding yeah. everything yeah. with open hands, telling everyone what's going on. And with the exception, as we see in this episode, probably a highlight of the season moment. Again, yeah. we said that last week, and then we got another one yeah. with Jesse. Like, boom, by the way, I have this, and he's yes. not going to tell anyone. But if you were there, Ryan, if you were on the island for real playing, I know oh, you've wow. played Survivor at Home Light, where hopefully you'll play the real version. But if you're there <laughs> and you have an idol or advantage, are you going to keep it a secret? I am going to try my darndest to keep it a secret. I understand, you know, you're kind of around these people. You have no one to talk to other than maybe the camera crew during confessionals. I feel like it's a heavy weight. I would like to think I would keep it a secret, but I'd probably have a close alliance with somebody. I'd probably let it slip to them, but I'd try to keep it as close to my chest as possible. Okay. So we'd be talking on the after show about you, about that idiot Ryan told his <laughs> his his ally and now everyone knows about it probably yeah here we are again so here we go how, again how hard would it be to not tell anyone difference between you know what others have done where james immediately told everyone about his knowledge his power and other idols get shared right away but to not even tell one person about it i think that would be super difficult if one person knows and you trust them and you truly believe that they're not going to share that i think that can be acceptable it's the where immediately you get it, you don't judge anything, and you just go, I'm just going to tell someone right away, and then it snowballs from there. That's where they get really get into trouble. I don't mind sharing it with one person. If the two of you can make a move using it, it's the public knowledge that's become Absolutely. such an issue with this stuff, right? Yeah, and I think that's why it's such a power move to be able to keep it a secret these days. Mm -hmm. And I think, it, it, you know what? Thinking about it now, it may be a construct of social media. Everyone's used to oversharing interesting posting stories right so maybe in that aspect especially with these seasons coming through covid maybe people are longing for that community wanting to share wanting to connect with people so they're using that as almost a bartering chip to create mm -hmm. friendships that may not actually be there or seeing friendships that aren't actually be there or having trust that doesn't exist I don't think we've ever heard that take before, but what would that social element? Cause we say that a lot. It's, it seems like every season they keep doing this where they're not able to just keep that secret. And yeah. you, I mean, it's our, it's our human instinct now to tell someone when something happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Especially I, being I talk, isolated, right? Exactly. Right. Oh. Nothing else is going on. It's like a mini, uh, it's like a mini social media. They're in withdrawal mm -hmm. and they're exactly. telling everyone to get that dopamine fix. I think someone referred to it earlier on the season, someone like Jesse talking about how information is kind of the currency for trust. And if you can give information to someone they're at least you think they're more inclined to trust you probably because they are more inclined to trust you. The issue is in a game like survivor, there are times where you go for that trust and 
it gets betrayed and not in the moment where you can get out of it. It gets betrayed for a moment. How much longer later? Two episodes, yeah. you know, three days, five days, six days. And there's actually a really good example of it right in the beginning of this episode. So let's transition to that. Cody and Jesse start out. They voted out Dwight. They were really ones that uh, flipped on him. Everyone also knows about the knowledge of power. We just, we get a little bit of overview and then it moves straight into Janine. And last week on the podcast, Andrew and Luke are really hammering home the, we feel bad for Janine. And I kind of pushed back on that, but in this, the beginning of this episode, Okay, I see you. I'm right there with you. I'm a I'm a week oh, late. Man. I get it, but she is at rock bottom. She's losing allies left, right, and center, and loses her idol. And it's really not all. She kind of got. I think she kind of got told to give her idol to someone, and felt like it was safest with Dwight. Um, she also feel no one wanted to work with her while she had the idol. And now everyone knows her idol is gone. She's just, there's just no momentum in Janine's game. Yeah, no. she seems like she's completely given up. I mean, seeing her do her confessional with tears literally streaming down her face. She also is like the one who seems to have lost the most weight. Like she looks absolutely dilapidated every yeah. time. Wow, uh, what a my word! Wife, uh, see, <laughs> being being the oldest sometimes comes. There's words in here. They're just going to come out. I have no control over it. <laughs> but yeah, we comment on poor Janine, like just give her some food, give her an extra meals, another helping. Like she is so thin. Yeah. And what, what was her line there? Like, I'm a freaking idiot. I had my idol go home in Dwight's crotch. <laughs> the and crotch. that yeah. just, I mean, we've all lost something in a game, but then when you're, it's like you're kicked when you're down and then you're kicked again. And then someone takes your idol while you're still down. Right. It's just brutal. And uh, she, I mean, I just, it was almost hard to see her, as you said, physically, emotionally, just relationally, absolutely at rock bottom. And yeah. I guess as a clarification, Jordan, so last week we were ending the podcast by debating what happened to her idol. What was it safe? You know, could she it, have switched yeah. it? But the answer so is it got it got clarified that the rule in this situation is that once the Jeff asked the question about idols or advantages wherever once that's kind of cleared off and he's going to read the votes wherever everything is that's where it is and it it cannot move cannot be transferred after that point when he asked the question about idols or advantages so you could hand it off prior to that or during that moment but once he starts to reach into the urn to read that first vote things are locked in but wait there's more because this is amazing this was a this was a highlight here of this uh, andrew you referred to it highlight of the season right here i think this is what you were referring to we get a confessional where Jesse, behind everyone's back, convinces Dwight to give him Janine's idol for what reason? I don't know what they didn't get. We didn't get any sort of insight. Well, he into said what he was transpired. nervous. He said he gave it to him because he was nervous. Oh, Dwight gave it to him. Because, but okay, I didn't. If catch you're that. nervous, if you're Dwight and you're nervous, don't you hold on to the idol and maybe play the idol? <laughs> like, I don't understand the logic of being nervous and therefore don't giving you give that it back away. to Janine. That's what I was going to say. Give it back to Janine. If it's common knowledge, everyone's passing around idols. The safest thing is to hold on to your idol. Yeah. Isn't it right? Like you'd think so. The logic behind the knowledge is power is to me, if you're going to take an idol, you've got to take it and play it. Cause if you take it and then, and then you don't play it, everyone just knows you have an idol and that's just become another barrier in build. You become what Janine became, which is mm-hmm. no. What they told us was no one wants to work with you. 
because you have an idol and we, you know, we don't know how to work around that. How can we vote you out? So if James were to play the knowledge's power, take Janine's idol, he's got to play it right away. I think otherwise it becomes that barrier of, Oh, you're just going to hang on to an idol in, in plain sight. At least there's other people that might not know about an idol at times, but everyone's going to know it if you make a spectacle of it with the knowledge's power. So I think that's the logic behind it. So it's not really a threat to Janine in that tribal council anyways, if James is feeling good about himself and doesn't have to play it. So Jesse, we all season long, we've seen that he's had this redemption song, this redemption story in his life where he's gone from, you know, being in a lot of trouble, making a lot of tough choices to really turning his life around. And that affects his choices. I just wondered as he was saying it, was there any chance that he would say, I, I got it, you know, no one knows they have it. And I, I feel convicted to go and give it back to Janine. I feel Not that ever going to happen. That's right. Yeah. I feel like this is his power play. This is something he can take when he gets, when he, when he feels he's going to get to the end. And this is something he's going to pull out. Oh, by the way, I have had Janine's idol this entire time. Pull it out down the road. Absolutely. But yeah. Mama, look what I found. Look what I've got. Like, right. Yeah. The, the strong, no, I, I don't think it's a selfish game and it's gameplay. You, you keep that. That you yeah. there's not honor points don't write a million dollar checks necessarily yeah and then because he did reference cody's idol was in his pocket temporarily but obviously he's not keeping that one that's not no they didn't show anything further but you're we're quite certain he doesn't get that forever but i just yeah obviously i don't think he was going to do it but i was like maybe like that's just a there might be certain people that have a conviction almost I kind of like not stole it, but I, I, or maybe just literally seeing Janine, like in a moment of human compassion to look at her and say this, as we already said, all right, she's gutted. She's at rock bottom. She doesn't know how to pick up the pieces. Hey, by the way, here's your idol back. She's going to stick with you for the rest of the game for sure. And then maybe that's a part of your story. But again, to give away an idol is idiotic. So it is idiotic. Um, I feel like if they were more aligned on the same page, maybe that would have been a good move for him to give it back. And if it got to tribal and she was on the chopping block, that would have been a great move. Um, no, what he should have done. Sorry, I'm, I'm, my mind is skipping around. Yeah, go Just ahead. like in a, in a villain move on the other side of the spectrum, in tribal, as she's like seeing her name read, he just taps her on the shoulder and like discreetly shows the idol oh. to her as she's heading out in tears. She's the first member of the jury, so he can still do that when he plays it. That's no, true. I know. I meant just to yeah. torment her. I know, I, but that will be, but that will, like, it's not your exact situation, but when, or if he does play it, that will be, everyone, Janine will recognize it. It's yellow beaded. And mm -hmm. there's only going to be one of those that a new, if that were to get truly flushed, a new idol that comes back in is not going to look the interesting. Same interesting that it's not like, it's very distinct. It's distinct. It's yellow beaded. Um, the one that Carla has would be blue beaded, and then the other one is uh, Cody. Who's got Cody has it? And Cody it would be has the other one from Bessie. Yes, and it would be red beaded. So he she he can do that, not right after to torment her like an evil genius that Andrew is here. But <laughs> um... <laughs> but now is is that a if you're Janine in that spot and you're on the jury and it gets to the end and you know that he's had your idol, is that a vote for him or against him? Mm. Great I think question. you have to ask that in final tribal if he's there. Yeah. You have to figure out what, what happened. How did this transpire? 
right? Because the other thing is Dwight's not on the jury. So it's not like Dwight can even tell her. Yeah. She's literally not going to find out until this, uh, until it gets, it gets brought up in whatever situation. He plays it. He has it in final tribal. He just tells her if he gets blindsided and voted out. And no one else is going to be able to tell her either because no one else knows. Assuming that Dwight didn't actually tell anybody else and did keep it quiet. Yeah, that's a great question. This is a really cool proposition, Ryan. So does she, I wonder if, I wonder if he rolls the dice. He's there at final three. Mm -hmm. She calls him on it. You had my idol. You didn't think to give it back to me. I wonder if he rolls the dice with his response and says, Janine, if you were in my shoes and this happened to you, would you have given it back to me? I wonder if she's the kind of player. It's a risk. It's a risky question because she could just be angry and say, "Yeah, of course I would have." But you wonder if she if she has the capacity to see the bigger game and answer, "You know what? Like screw you, but you're right. I like I yeah. I, I could have done it." That's huge points for him. It comes down to the old age old question in basically any reality competition show: Do you take it personally, or do you see it as gameplay and strategy? Right. Yeah, with the trend of the last two seasons, it's not well, especially season 40, uh, Survivor 42, it wasn't taken personally. 41 was a little bit at times, not really. It was pretty, the discourse was pretty strong, but I don't know that this cast is taking it personally, just like 42 didn't take it personally. Can I just say, I love the editing this season, actually, the last few seasons where they do those reveals. They've done it yeah. last season, and I think they did it in 41 as well. Where they do these the flashbacks. Oh, you think what's going you think you know what's happening? Oh, by the way, flashback. Here's what's actually going on. Let's I give think, you this information when love it's appropriate it. to. Absolutely it's, love it's, it. I've heard a few people on Tyson's podcast, even former players, be they're polarized on this. Some say I, I really like it, but I've heard a few say I don't really like it. I just want to know. I don't want to be tricked, but I'm with you. I think it's well, great to just find out like the, the and, excitement, right? And I also appreciate that with this um they gave it to us pretty quickly as well when it's when that idea is still fresh in your mind right although we found out the rule of it couldn't have been transferred during the reading of the votes anyways from dwight to janine it was being teased like it potentially did get so you if you're just watching the show and not doing a ton of the background work um not background work i guess but not doing a ton of the background information gathering you might not know that it could not be transferred in that moment. So, and even if we did know, we all went, okay, it can't be transferred. Dwight has it, it's gone. And now right away when it's fresh in your mind and Janine's breaking down because she's lost all her allies and she's lost her idol. Oh no, it's here and no one knows about it. It's just a little like, I I think I said it to kind of intro this conversation. Oh wait, there's more to the story. Yeah. Um, as we let's keep going here uh, into the morning, we get a little bit of background on Owen. I didn't catch this any earlier in the season than now, but um, he's uh, the family uh, part of a family where he was adopted into it um, and into a family of a different race than he's uh, from Korea. He was born in Korea and his family is like white Americans. Um, and that's who he's adopted into. And he makes a point to say, um, my family is awesome. Like, good life they love me like there's no issues with that but being adopted into a family of a different race i have people in my life who are very close to me who are under a similar circumstance they're not from korea they're from a different part of the world but same idea they're adopted into a family they're 
you can you take a look at the family you know they're adopted they're adopted of a different race and how that plays into in into the future and, and you get to hear a little bit of owen talking about you know you can feel out of place at times um in that and and he relates that to the game where you can run around the playground it feels like uh, you're trying to play with people and you can't get anyone to play with you. Um, and he just kind of relates it into how he's feeling in the game, especially after the last couple of votes and not being on the right end of them. Um, I thought it was just a cool moment to hear a little bit behind who Owen is and what's going on, uh, what's gone on in his life and how it the game is bringing that up as well. Yeah, I feel like they've done a really good job of having those real personal stories that are you know, a lot of people probably share the same experiences, maybe not being adopted, but maybe feeling out of place, you don't belong, you don't have a community to talk to to run to. Again, part of the reason Andrew started the survivor at home, it's come up time and time again, which is fantastic. Um, but I felt for Owen when he did that. And the same with any stories this this season, you know, Noel and Cody and Jesse, um, they're getting into Sammy's backstory a bit too. Like they're doing a really good job of really humanizing these people. And, yeah, and, yeah. and that's something that I think the newer seasons are doing better than past seasons. And again, yeah. broken record on the podcast, more of that longer episodes have some, you know, some more of that content would be fantastic. Absolutely. And just digging deeper into the story so that people are not one dimensional. This has come up already this season of how there's not villains as much anymore, if at all, because people are just complex. There are some elements of people's lives that are maybe a little shady or questionable. And there are some parts of their lives that are really good. And mm -hmm. again, with stories like this, just unpacking. And it, it is interesting eh, that we've had to wait this long into the season to hear Owens. I think Steph said the same thing. Oh, this is the first time I've been waiting to hear a little bit mm -hmm. more about him as well. But yeah, in those moments where he he's clearly articulating that he is he feels, I think his words, like, I wasn't even on the bus in that vote. No one told me. And it just goes back to that childhood insecurity. I get it. I know people listening or watching sometimes think that that's scripted or it's cheesy. But if you have something from your childhood that is a point of insecurity for you, and even as an adult, you just have moments where it shines through. I, I alluded to this last week on the podcast with Luke. I really think that I would struggle more than gameplay with like a feeling of insecurity of like how I would even look on camera or like sound or just appear. Cause I, yeah, I've, I shared last week. I, I was like, I don't think I come across as like cool or as put together as some people, which sounds just stupid or like I'm, I'm, I'm scratching for attention, but I'm not, I'm just identifying. I, I honestly, truly in the middle of a stressful game. And, and if, especially if things didn't work out for me, some of those like childhood insecurities would probably come out. So when Owen was sharing that, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure that he feels that way. But what I love that he did, he said, I need to take a breath. Mm -hmm. I need to reset. I'm going to try and find out who else is feeling like they're on the bottom and we're going to start a mini uprising. Yeah. That ability to pivot, right? To to know what you're going through and then to pivot has been what we've talked about so many times, a crucial element of especially this new survivor. And he does it. He goes right away. We see the next scene where he's talking to uh, Owen. Yeah, Owen's talking to Janine. Noel Gabler, I think, is somewhere in the background, but they're considering him as well. Yep. The bottom dwellers, they call the, themselves. That's yeah. right. Exactly. That's right. That should be the name of our podcast. The uh, bottom dwellers versus the seven. <laughs> I like it. I like it versus the seven. But versus the seven. yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Do you, do you feel like he's going to be able to turn things around? 
I think I he's smart. So. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I'm oh, sorry, Jordan. Um, I hope so. I mean, I've I've liked Owen from the get-go, but he hasn't been a standout player to me. But this episode really solidified kind of him. He's who I'm rooting for now. He, I kind of, I feel like he's playing the game. I feel like I would kind of be forced to play if I was on Survivor. Kind of a little on the outside, social enough to be friendly with people, but not necessarily strategic enough to know where you stand. Although he does understand he is on the bottom, just by his personality um, and his feelings of you know not being confident, feeling isolated. Um, but I I I feel like he has the drive in him now and the wherewithal and the kind of self-awareness to know what he has to do to get back on top. And I'm really, really, really rooting for him this season for the, for the remainder. If you want to look at it from a, like not winners edit, but that type of editing perspective, this is the beginning of his hero's journey now, Mm -hmm. right? He's at his version of rock bottom in this game. He's out of the loop doesn't have many allies. People haven't really been working with him. They see him as a threat, yet they're not. Well, they can't vote him out, I guess, because they can't vote him out because of the immunity win in this in this episode. But he, just, he doesn't have traction in the game, and yet he knows that, understands that, and now what's he going to do to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And again, we've seen over and over, the player that wins the game isn't the player that's making all the big, savvy moves that we're seeing in the game at this point. Marianne was not that player. Erica was not that player. And yet by the end, they had a couple of these little moves, figured things out as they went along, made the right decisions at the right time, survived when they needed to, and come out at the end with a strong finish. Right. But didn't you say last week that the winners usually pick right most of the time? And Owen has already been wrong, I think, the last two votes. And now tonight's vote, I think, I didn't actually watch back the recap, but I think he was on the outs again. Either way, he's not been no, right every time. No, he, he was in on been. it. He was on the bus this time. He was, he on, was the on the bus. This time. Okay. Who was the, the other one? Only two people voted for Ryan. Obviously, Janine voted for Ryan. Do we have insight into Cassidy. who the other one was? Cassidy voted for Ryan? Yeah, it showed her in the tribal oh, live there you go. that she voted for Okay, Yeah, it was Ryan. Cassidy. So was the it. other vote. Yeah, so that's it then. He did. He was on the bus this time around. So, yeah, he had the two wrong in a row. Two wrong is not awful, especially if the rest are, especially if you're in it for the rest of the way. Sure. Side note, Ryan, a quick reference to the ending vote there. I noticed you did your homework and maybe just a, an encouragement to past and future podcast guests that literally seven pages of notes on this episode. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. What's your advice to, yeah, again, we, we won't age you, but what's your advice to this next generation of wannabe podcast guests? How might they prepare like the genius that you are? Uh, well, I watched the episode twice. Uh, number one, the uh, the plan was to one watch one in it English, once, one in French, right? Once in English, <laughs> once in French. So I've yeah, both covered. Um, yeah. Un petit peu. Un petit peu. <laughs> um, and I just kind of broke down the episode. I put notes of what I thought of the situation, who was talking to who. Again, as someone who's listened to every episode of the podcast, I kind of know how this conversations go, where the conversation tends to tends to uh, ebb and flow. Oh tend to flow. Um, so I kept that in mind. So listen to the podcast. You're going to be guests starring on. Right. You can't um, just jump right into this, guys. This right is serious in. business. No. Yeah, absolutely. And take it seriously. It's fun, but you got to take it serious. Amazing. 
Well, thank you for your efforts and shows Absolutely. already. And yes, yeah, so a lesson to this, uh, these youths of today who think they can just hop in when, and just off the cuff, spit it off. But I mean, there are some Sammies in the world, though, aren't there, who just seem to be really <laughs> well put together, really well Man. polished. Yeah, he, Sammy's starting to surprise me. I'm not going to lie. He's pretty savvy. He's pretty savvy. For a 19-year-old, he is very yeah. savvy. Been very yeah, savvy. So- he does want to push the pace along in the game, and you see that over and over again, and oftentimes it's public displays of wanting to put, push the pace, but very savvy. These guys are, are these contestants are, you know, convinced he's he's the age that he says he is, which is 22, 23, I think. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's the youngest player, trying to be one of the youngest winners ever if he can if he can chase that down. Um, so yeah, he's been very impressive, I think, so far. Yeah, yeah it's Do you almost think... been. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say a lot of the um, contestants lately have been kind of. There's been a lot of Big Brother comparisons to me in terms of how they're trying to play the game. There's a little more lying on big brother there's always people lying about their age their occupations they don't want people to know they're lawyers or doctors or whoever so now that people are coming in i don't know how often it's happened previously like i said i haven't watched every season i'm not gonna pretend i have jordan you probably have this off the top of your head the number of people who've lied about their ages on survivor um but i don't know how commonplace this is i don't think age that's not a trivia question that i have the answer to um I mean, there's been young winners. Michelle mm-hmm. Fitzgerald was a very young winner um, mm-hmm. when she run in the, won, and there's there's been many other young winners. Uh, generally, winners don't skew older than I, – I don't have an exact number, but whatever survivor would consider older, there's not many that fit that. I can think of Bob Crowley was somewhere in his 60s, I believe, when he won. But outside of that, there's not like that kind of – Usually 50 plus is about considered older on Survivor. Some t- some seasons, 40, 45 would be considered older on, on a season. Um, but I don't know how many have lied about their age. No, you have people talking about their profession. You have athletes or yeah. certain film. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. hiding yeah. that fact about themselves. And often people find out, right? hey, I, I recognize you from somewhere. There's been quite a number of times that's been tried. And I mean, we all knew baseball was in a tough spot when only one person recognized superstar Jeff Kent. Um, <laughs> and only because she knows that her boyfriend watched, uh, I think it was her boyfriend who watched baseball. And she's like, I recognize that guy. He plays baseball, but no one else on the season recognized him uh, right off the bat. Did you, did you recognize him? I wouldn't, but I can also claim that that's before my generation of watching sports. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> It's a good idea, though, to try and hide some elements of that, especially if you get to the end. Like, how do you award the money to someone, maybe if they've already made it big time? But it's I think the risk is greater to tell a lie and then get caught in it. So maybe it's worth coming in. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's situation by situation. But yeah, I, I skipped like the... it. Would... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Andrew, I was going to say, it's gonna be, it would be hard to keep a story straight like that. It would have to be close enough to the truth that you can kind of keep it in line. But not far enough that you're going to slip up. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping back a little bit before we get to Sammy again, we had yeah. uh, so this little uprising trying to form, but then you did have a conversation with some of the, the new group of seven, and they are pretty content, it seems, to just stick with it as it is. Jesse is very excited. He's like, let's just ride this out, and then we'll turn and you know try and all take each other out then, but very happy to get 
the seven down to that number. Take everyone else out. It's an easy vote. And that's Cassidy, James, and Carla, some of that strong crew of Jesse as well. Yeah, and Jesse's the one saying that to them. So just they're on board with it. And it's interesting to me that Ryan is not in that conversation. It seems clear that, as we'll see, Cassidy, James, Carla are not on the same page with Ryan. Um, And then later that day, uh, we get into this whole bit of Ryan's, I, I don't know if you call it a controversial decision of deciding to go out to fish but i listened to tyson uh tyson's podcast and he talked about how in survivor you can't do that kind of stuff like obviously there's a time you might need to get food but you can't just be on your own for that long i think it was three hours he was out there for so carla had said like she had the dream she was hungry that was a really funny challenge or whatever they were part of and then people were talking about different food that they wanted so people are hungry he rightly understands that he's the provider he rightly understands that people see him as a physical threat. So maybe he'll tip the scales by at least providing for them. And then they won't necessarily target him, but I still got it. And I want to ask you guys this, like it, to go for three hours to leave your tribe seems like a terrible decision. I think he even said, like, I'll take 15 minutes. I'll check later on about, you know, who wants to, who wants to be on board. And then he, and then he's gone and we'll get to that part later, but. Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll get to that part later, but. I mean, my first kind of thought was we're the three of us are big fans of Survivor, watched every episode at this point. And anyone who's listening to this podcast is going to be in the same boat where they are. You can be considered if you're listening to the Survivor at Home podcast, you are a big fan of Survivor. That is by definite, that is one of the definitions of a big fan. And he just walks up and has a confession where he says, Oh, I just talked to everyone. We're good to go. And I'm going to go fish now. In what world is I can't, I, I just know. Delusional. Delusional is a great word for that. In what world is this acceptable in Survivor? That's not how the game is played. It's too fast for that. Um, If you even watch one other season of Survivor, you know that's not what you want to do. It never goes well. Never. Never does. Never, ever. The other thing I want to touch on before we get into the challenge was Carla's dream. This is just like, what's, what's going on here. It's one of those moments where you watch production and you go, or you think, I think production wise, I'm like, what purpose is this serving? But man, this, this is fun too. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to listen to everyone list off the burritos wrapped in pizza oh, kind man, of just, daydreams. Yeah. I mean, after what this is, that was day, what, 15, maybe I think 16. it opened with 16. Yeah. Um. So to be basically starving for almost three weeks, two and a half weeks, you're going to start daydreaming about food. Yep. A lot of chicken. Carla emphasized a lot of chicken and then ramen. ramen. Yeah. I just, I just wrote down, wow, everyone is so hungry at this point. Starving. But if if my question is if Ryan's fishing for three to four hours, I don't know how often he does it, but are they that starving? Like, are they starving that much? I mean, he got, he said he got 21 fish Yeah, and we saw the little fish. They're not big fish. That's true. So I, I'm assuming, yes. And they're thinking you're out there being active in the sun, like not running around all day, obviously. Well, except for challenges at, at points, but you're just being active in general, walking around. The sun is draining you. You're probably in the water. You do need your classic three meals a day four meals a day, whatever whatever it is that suits yeah. suits right. yourself right you do need those meals and they're getting 
three small fish each and a cup of rice and that's it. So I assume they're still, st- even if they're getting the nourishment that other seasons haven't gotten, they're still, but then I, I also found the last part of Carla's dream. Then Propes goes crowd surfing was just like, <laughs> Oh, okay, cool. The dream was kind of hilarious. It really was. So what would your, if you were on the Island, 16 days, 15, 16 days, what would your, food dream be what would you be thinking about having this this is a very Mm. me specific answer because i'm thinking about it right now as it sits in the freezer getting ready to be made in a day or two um there is this awesome place no free ad so i'm not going to mention the uh the place's name but there's this awesome place that makes a turkey pot pie with a puff pastry on top it is fantastic and that is on my mind and that's what would i would be dreaming about for sure turkey or chicken pot pie either one but it's got this puff pastry on the top and i am a huge fan so nothing as extreme as a burrito wrapped in pizza i mean if i was hungry after 16 days of eating only rice and a few fish i'm maybe my answer would change to add something else into that or create a new food but right now that is where my mind is going how about you andrew what's your food daydream yeah this is a good question so just to clarify this is like i'm starving and it's been 16 days or just something that i like you're having carla's food dream i gotta say like a a burrito is right up there honestly when i'm hungry like a nice chipotle steak and chicken burrito mix get the extra large get it all in there you gotta have some cilantro in there i know that's very polarizing but um it's that that's my go-to when I'm really hungry because it feels yeah. like you're just getting it, it feels healthy it is healthy right right sure sure yeah maybe uh and you're I would and argue you're, yes for my own selfish purposes yes burritos are very healthy yes and you're and you're thoroughly satisfied so there you go that's burrito and then yeah couldn't go wrong to have a pizza somewhere nearby yeah I'd be on that same wavelength for sure what about yourself oh man <sighs> I mean, I am also team burrito, uh, different chain, but definitely a burrito. Um, honestly, some sort of like barbecue, like brisket, something like that, a nice brisket sandwich, mm-hmm. uh, or like a, like a dirty poutine, dude, this dude. place, a dirty poutine would be fantastic. Ooh. Well, for your birthday, remember a, a couple, was it, well, I won't say which number, but it was a, a special <laughs> was occasion. There, yeah. It was up there. And uh, Laura, your wife, ordered a, I don't know what the word is, an outrageous amount of, like Moira's birthday, uh, Robert Munch reference, like amount of fries, poutine, and the brisket. And I'm not just saying this, like, I don't know, but did this happen to you? You know, people say, oh, I'm so full, like I can't eat for the rest of the day. I actually couldn't eat for the rest of the day. I was so full. It was absolutely amazing. It was honestly the best meal of my life. It's probably what I would dream about because I made a big dirty poutine with brisket on top. And honestly, I can't say enough about it. So yeah, definitely that. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. If you're listening right now and you just have this moment of compassion and inspiration that you want to do something good in the world, send the three of us a burrito, a brisket, maybe a third tier pot pie. Uh, with some puff pastry on top and we would be happy to enjoy that and it would make our day yes you should do that right now pause what you're doing go Go in honor of the show 
wherever you're listening, by the way, because we know people might be listening from all across Canada. We have more people listening across the world. I can see on the little thing. It's a neat tracker, but you're walking the dog. Maybe you're going to Blockbuster. Maybe you're zookeeping right now, wherever you are. We appreciate you listening. And I just noticed a little new milestone this week on the podcast. Consistently now 75 people tuning in right now uh, each week listening and there's and that fluctuates higher but that's kind of the base number now each week we see 75 people in a week's time listen to a current episode so thank you thank you for listening it means a lot to us this has been a lot of fun and it's cool to see this little community growing in that so there's my little plug for food and the podcast nice nice so we're gonna get into the challenge in just a moment but sammy we get a little insight into his game and he wants to set himself up to win, be making decisions. It feels like a bit of an early move to me, but also at the same time, if he can execute it stealthily, then so be it. Um, he wants to work with Noel, Janine, Owen, the three that were conveniently left out of the last uh, the last couple of votes and um, and are in a lot of trouble. He's basically set himself up to work with everyone, and he gives us a great line before we go into the challenge. This is where the good players survive and the great players thrive. Mm-hmm. Write it down. It's written it. in Ryan's book. I got it right there. <laughs> right he also there. said, everyone else is sitting pretty on a sinking ship. Ooh. Also another good line. He had a couple good lines this episode. I'm not going to lie. Good, good episode. Good episode for Sammy. Yeah. Um, uh, so we get into the challenge, and uh, you have to balance a ball on a pole, and basically at regular intervals, the pole grows, and once the ball falls, you're out. Um, right. So I, I, I got to say, so let me say, I got to say Bryson must be happy. Last week, complaining about the length of the challenge in the three tiers. This is about the, like a polar opposite. Let's just, okay, let's get some sticks and a little ball on a platform and you just hold it there. So there you go, Bryson, your simple challenge is back. No three tiered challenge. Uh, but sorry to interrupt you, Jordan. What? Take us away. <laughs> but before we get started, Jeff is in negotiation mode. He was nice earlier in the season in negotiation. We kind of picked him apart for that one. Um, but negotiation, the going rate for rice, uh, for more rice for the group, is five people of, it's 11 right now? 11, yeah. Five of 11 have to sit out, which is less than half. And he states clearly that it'll be more than five people, the cost of rice next time around. But the negotiation for rice and immediately as he starts doing this, the camera kind of pans across. And one of the things I caught was Carla looking at her hand. And you can tell she's like, yeah, this is still not feeling so good. So it's probably best that I just sit out. She steps out. Uh, James decides to step out. Cassidy decides to step, step out. Jesse decides to step mm-hmm. out. I'm not overly shocked by any of those four. I mean, you could have picked a couple of people that you thought might step out, but I'm not shocked by those four. And then Sammy I was pretty shocked Sammy stepped out because Sammy's got a chance to win these challenges and hops out for rice. Meanwhile, uh, to, there was a moment where I went, Oh, shouldn't someone like Janine sit out? I don't think she's got a chance to, but she needs to give herself every chance she gets right. Mm-hmm. She, she just has to, that's gotta be her game at this point. So, uh, so Sammy steps out and there's your five, my basic right question for you both actually, before I answer it, would you th- even think about sitting up for rice, even though you haven't eaten for days? Not a chance. Not a chance. Boston Rob was chirping them on social media saying like, what's with this new generation of like, what's with this season there? You don't sit out that easily. Four of them did, by the way, I'll say, I think there was one more that delayed. And that's where we had that very 
weird line by James turning to Owen and saying, Owen, oh, like you do it, you're protected, which that seems like a, a gap, a gap for him, right? To have That's said that. Come back. Yeah, he's yeah, showing his cards. I'm I'm really glad Owen didn't fall for that. He was smart enough to see through that. Um well they don't even yeah. work together. So yeah, that was one that we talked about that a couple weeks ago, just like the overstep in your line. Sometimes it happens when you're tired, you kind of overstate. I'm sure he immediately regretted saying that because mm-hmm. clearly he's not safe. And yeah, I think it was Cassidy, the last one. Yeah, to... yeah I was going to say that Cassidy was the last, even though I kind of said it was surprising about Sammy, Cassidy was the last one to to step out and join that group. I, I simply, I don't think it's right to to sit out. Not that like you can sit out of a challenge if you need to, but um, you got a chance to win yourself security. That vote could turn on, and Dwight learned the lesson the hard way. That vote can turn on anyone at any time for any reason. And for you to take yourself out of contention purposefully is not a great move. If any of those five had gotten voted out, you'd be looking at back at that going, oh, great. I got everyone rice and I'm done. Yeah, I would I would read so much into it if I was standing there and people were standing forward that quickly. I'd be like, wait, what like what do they know that I don't know? Right. Well, mm-hmm. I, I would your wheels would be spinning. I don't know. Jeff even calls them out, right? Like this guys, this yeah. is a game for a million dollars on the line. And that was a pretty fast decision for five, five of you out of 11, nearly half. Fast. Well, Sammy, like right from the get go, he was the first one out and was like, guys, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm stepping out for this race. Okay. All right, Sammy, you do you, man. Mm-hmm. He um, must know. He must know, but I, I, uh, yikes, man, no way. No. So the challenge starts up and you have, uh, Janine Noel are the first two to drop from the challenge. Uh, they get a couple of sections into the poll, adding, adding to it, and then they drop out pretty quickly. After that, as the poll starts, when it's really short, uh, when the poll is really short, it's really sturdy, and it's it's not that dif- it doesn't look to be that difficult of a challenge. As the poll starts to grow, the best strategy for this challenge is you got to look up, you have to watch if it ever leans any way. You've got to follow that lean by going the opposite direction. And Gabler then if it, did not get that memo. Gabler did not get <laughs> did that not memo. Get he's, that memo. Straight, he's almost, you know how confident he was? I think it was last week. He was super confident in himself and um, in what he could do and using that motivation. And he looked overconfident, just staring at ropes the whole time. And then the ball just falls off. You yeah. got it with this poll. For you to survive in it, you have to look up to see what's going on up there. You can't, if you look down at your hands, you're not going to see the big picture. But if you look up, you'll see the big picture. So Gabler did not get that memo. Um, the other one who didn't get that memo was um, uh, Ryan didn't get that memo either. Ryan mm-hmm. had it resting on his forehead. But what he couldn't see was that the whole pole was leaning. Okay, And so it just had to get tall enough. His pecs were too big. The pole was kind of angled. uh, Yeah, I have that problem too. Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of people watching that were asking the same question of, is that allowed? Jeff was harping on the fact that you can't have your hand, don't have your hand above the little bracket, Mm -hmm. the notch there. And then sure enough, he's got his his head above that, holding it, supporting it. I get that it didn't work out for him. Had he won, that's that's a controversial twist on, I mean, I know I, I host Survivor at home. We host these games. There are times you're making judgment calls on rules that maybe didn't get thought of, but that to me seems like a pretty clear one. Like you can't have a part yeah. of your body holding it, supporting it higher up. It seems like a clear advantage had he played it a bit better 
kept the pole in tighter to his chest. Anyway, what did you but, think that he was crossing the line? I I was intrigued that they allowed him to do it. Um and they allowed it to continue, but it became pretty obvious that he wasn't watching the top of the pole and it was just going to fall, you know, one or two sections later, it was just going to fall off anyways. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was intrigued by why he was allowed to do that, but at the same time, it didn't matter. He didn't execute the challenge correctly. And frankly, he's not looking up. He can't see where it's leaning. Mm-hmm. And that's a consequence of having it resting on your forehead. So he, he drops out. Gabler drops out. Cody drops out. Owen takes individual immunity. Remember when James tried to get him to sit at the beginning and not compete in the challenge? Crazy. It's a little flashback to that moment. Um, and uh, so so Owen is safe. We got teased five, ten minutes ago that Owen was a, a threat and James wanted him out. Then James wants him to sit out of the challenge because he's protected. What, what protecting... Did Owen have from J- that James knew about that Owen would even think that James might know about, um, and uh, and so Owen can't get voted out, and here we go. Yeah, Owen, I think his line was, "Is this real life? Right? Ecstatic, mm-hmm. cool to see that again. We're all big fans, and to see him yeah. celebrating, thinking back to the all these players that had won. Jeff, you know, acknowledges how much he was able to dig deep and remember some of these." really old school players who who had stood there with the same Jeff Probst putting that around his neck. And now here he is honestly talk about bucket list. That would be incredible. Just seeing there, we talked about the sand on your, you know, on your feet that first day on the beach getting past the merge, but to get an individual necklace has got to be top of the list for most yeah. people, especially when he needs it. Like, I don't know if he's going to watch back and realize that he was the target before he won immunity. They kept showing James and Carla. They kept cutting back to their reactions during the challenge. James did not look impressed. Right. Carla was absolutely mortified. Like they were gunning for Owen so hard. So to win an immunity like this, exactly the moment you need to win it, that's a potential game winner. Like I I don't want to keep bigging up Owen. I'm really glad that he's gaining his confidence um, and he's kind of starting to make some moves, and now he'll be around a little bit longer, hopefully, to make some of those moves. Right. Yep. And but Owen got to make them. Yeah. Owen calls, he calls out James in the confessional back at camp. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah. spare me that crap, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I knew that I wasn't safe. He, <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? He is playing well, like you said, Ryan. He is playing yeah. a respectable game. Um, and we'll see if he can truly start that uprising in future episodes. But we know he's safe. We head back to camp and then. I was having a hard time falling because there is a lot of different conversations uh, taking place. I did appreciate we So we talk about the longer episodes. We talk about wanting to see more. I think this episode represented what we might see if we had longer episodes. And I'll, I'll admit it was a little more confusing at times because you're seeing so many different people talking and I had to, in terms of taking notes, like you said, Ryan, you're pausing and going back because there's a lot taking place. Yeah. But at the same time, it shows you just how complicated that afternoon would be before tribal. Yeah. There are so many different conversations happening. And I think you got to feel for what, just even a bit more of a taste of what that would be like. Yeah. And we get, and really through all of it, as confusing as it is, and I agree with you that it, there are moments of this that are so confusing on trying to figure out who actually sits where. It's only two names. There was, I don't think there was ever any talk of anyone else. It was, 
either Janine and then there was a, a shift to Ryan uh, that was also put in there. But it opens up with Owen calling out the James move, but he's also ready to be more aggressive, right? We talked about this, I think the last two weeks now, those who are safe from a tribal council wearing an immunity necklace, they have the chance to be more aggressive, go after it, um, because you aren't going to reap the consequences if if you go in and talk to James and you want to blindside Gabler and then Gabler finds that out, so what? He can't vote you out. Like He can come after you later, but he can't do anything right now, and the game's going to change when you get back to camp after tribal. So you've got freedom to uh, to make some work here. So he's ready to be aggressive. James, Gabler, Ryan, they all agree on Janine, which means the seven are leaning towards agreeing on the Janine vote. Um, mm-hmm. And here's where Ryan does his everything's good and then <laughs> leaves camp. Like, that's just not how this works. I don't understand. How did you not get voted out for this? How 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 did you survive this, Ryan? I feel like Ryan feels like he's the one running the show. I think he feels like he's top dog. He's the provider. And I feel like he, because he was the one that started bringing up um, Janine since she had no immunity. So he thinks he's the one calling the shots. So he feels confident enough in his standing within his tribe mates to be able to go and fish for three to four hours. It's a mistake that will end up costing eventually. Um, But yeah, I don't know why he thinks he's running the show. Yeah, not a good idea. Don't go out alone for any length of time, let alone three hours. And he is, I, I, I was watching saying he's gone. Steph said, Ryan's going home for sure. Playing this kind of game. Yeah. Interesting. What you said about, the safety and feeling confident so that I would agree. And you have someone like Sammy then who comes along and is not safe, but he's the one that starts saying, I want to blow up this operation. They think that, you know, Cody and Jesse, and they think that we're going with Janine. I'm okay. Cause where do I stand in this seven? And then he goes and he talks to Carla. Like I was shocked to see that. And that's the kind of thing where, okay, he doesn't have the necklace around his neck and he's, this could come back and bite him for sure. You see this all the time where someone goes to someone's ally. And and I think this must just reiterate the point that Ryan must be on the outs with Coco for Carla not to go, or at least we didn't see any conversations that he would do that. And, and Sammy, it's not just that he's playing both sides. Like he actually goes and tells Janine they're coming for you. Right. And Owen was there too. Actually, I think that's when James walks up. Exactly. Right I was going to say, that's my next note, is James walks through that conversation. <laughs> but, but guys, like this this just shows you again, we, we don't know what it's like to be there all day, every day, a million conversations, because as the audience, you're like, oh no, here comes James, he's going to find out. But that must happen a million times a day, where you're walking up and there's random people talking to random people, yeah. and you're not, not every conversation is this massive moment. Mm-hmm. I think Carla had a good line too. I think it was Carla. I didn't write down who wrote it, but she said uh, Ryan was making friends with fish, not his tribe mates. Well, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's... Also, a side note: three hours of fishing—that's quite impressive. That is that in as a standalone thing is quite impressive. Three hours out there fishing and gathering food, like that—that's impressive. That he spent that long in the ocean. And he's got them in his pockets. <laughs> Just yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Under his abs. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, g- speaking of Ryan and being able to fish for three or four hours, they kind of glossed over it. And I may have missed it if they touched on a previous episode, but he mentioned he had cerebral, well, he has cerebral palsy and he wasn't able to walk as a, as a child. So they've kind of shown his arc 
in being a strong, powerful provider, not in as much detail as other players, mind you, but I feel like his overconfidence maybe come, stems from that. He's overcome so much. Um, he's been able to prove himself time and time again. I think that's given him a, a sense of false confidence in this situation as well. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. I don't yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating because yeah, he does. Uh, yeah. He, he gets out there and he even says, my family would be proud, like watching me. Mm-hmm. And the two things can exist at the same time. Right. We said this already. The stories are complex. So that is very true. His family, his friends watching are going to like that. And, and many people will be inspired who that's been part of their journey with cerebral palsy. Yeah. At the same time, it doesn't matter if your family's inspired and your tribe mate is upset at you because you're not socializing, which is what Carla identified. Exactly. And I do think he is going to kick himself looking back as much as he's just, he says it in tribal. He says it a few times. I just, he's trying to live it up. He's trying to make the most of this and be, and he will always remember and always be able to say, Hey, I just experienced, I lived that experience more than most players yeah. probably ever have done. He really is just making the most of every day out there, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to win him the million, depending on if, like, if this is the, the, the trend that he continues yeah. on. Exactly. He just seems a little bit out of it, right? Out of what's going on. Oh, not, not even a little bit. He seems a little, he seems out of what's going on around him. Right. And he's being carried by, Maybe they don't see him as the social strategic threat. And so you don't have to get rid of him if he's just going to fall in line. And they also referred to the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Right. You know the shortcomings of Ryan or you know the threat level of Ryan, but you're not quite sure with someone like Janine. And that's a little more of a threat. It was the same. We talked about this when, um, uh, who was it who got voted out because she got very panicky? Um, Lindsay. Lindsay. With Lindsay's vote, right? One of the things that I said we were talking about with that one is, you know what you get with Lindsay. And although uh, Geo seemed to be a bit of a uh, um, a wild card or wanted to play the game hard and he wasn't working with everyone, they decided to vote out Lindsay, who they did want to work with, but got panicky. And the thought process of uh, maybe it was better to vote out Geo in that moment because although Lindsay's getting panicky, you want to work with her. And she falls in line with everyone, or at least it seems like that. And uh, and this vote came down to a similar proposition of, you know where Ryan sits, you know what he's doing. You're not quite sure what Janine's going to do when she gets power back, if she gets power back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, that conversation with Cassidy and Carla too, right? I think that's a pivotal one. So you, you set this up well, Jordan, that you're right. As complex as the conversations were, the two names are, and help me with this, we got Ryan... No, nope, we got Janine on the one hand, and yeah. then we got Ryan. Ryan is yeah. kind of the other name being thrown out there. And uh, and an interesting conversation, again, that you see this a lot on social media, Cassidy identifying, which is pretty obvious to many viewers, like, doesn't it frustrate you, Carla, that we're seeing girls get picked off one by one? And she said, like, it's, I'm not reading much into it. It just kind of is the way it's played out, but I don't like it. I want to stop it. And I really appreciated just even the way she, she spoke yeah. to that. And I think a lot of women watching that were like, yes, like, do stand up for that. It doesn't, you don't always have to divide by, you know, women and men all the time, but if you clearly see that w- many women are getting picked off and that's, that's impacting you, then do something about it. And she's yeah. trying to, she's trying to turn the script and she's serious. Let's get out Ryan. He's burned me before. I can't trust him anyway. Let's mm-hmm. vote at a guy and give the women a little bit of motiv- like motivation, momentum in mm-hmm. this game. And Carla was absolutely loving that moment when Cassidy, Carla, and James 
are sitting on, I think some tree logs as benches and Cassidy calls out to James. I see you keeping the big, like keeping the big, strong guys and because they're great competitors or whatever. And that's absolutely what it seems is happening, whether it's James leading that charge or anyone truthfully leading that charge, or it's just the way things have gone. Mm-hmm. It's what's happening out there is these guys are being, being kept around. And Carla had a great smile while not having to say anything while Cassidy is, is calling this out and wanting to, to change that method of madness or just that trend that was going on. Ultimately it didn't happen for whatever reason, but um, there were a lot of people that were presented to the audience as being on the fence on this vote. Mm-hmm. I thought there were more people on board with the Ryan vote than were on board with the Janine vote, but a lot of people who were on the fence were leaning to the Janine vote. Does that makes sense. So like a, there were a couple people that it felt like were hardcore. Let's vote for Ryan. Let's get him out. Quite a few people on the fence leaning either way, but more to the Janine side. And then a, only a couple really were heavily voting Janine. Um, but ultimately we go into tribal and we, we don't know the confusion. This is where the confusion was. We don't know what's going on. We don't know. Let's let's get right into travel because I think it's a helpful way to yeah. break down uh, that in the vote. And I do want to talk about Janine at the end, so remind me of that. But mm-hmm. Jeff gets right in, and he talks, Jordan, I don't know if you caught this. This is something that you have brought up like very yeah. specifically about these social rules and understanding. I think with Hartley's podcast, you talked about that too. Anyway, it was... Going in I, the bag, yeah, the social rules. The social, exactly. Yeah. And I was watching, I was like, this they're stealing from Jordan. He always talks about yes. this kind of stuff. So... I hope that you felt justified to to play this. At the same time, and I'm going to let you speak to this, but at the same time, I have to admit, Jordan, I find it a little shallow. Like it's 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 whatever the rules are. At the end of the day, it's still Survivor. Like at the end, like they can they all say these things at Tribal, and it's kind of just BS, right? At the end of the day, you're still just going to go with your alliance time by time and vote people up. But anyway, that's my position on it. Um, what did, what did you have to say about Jeff's uh, backing of your party platform, as it were? Yeah, so party platform the 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 social contract is built in to me in the sense of they build it as they go and they set the pace. So Survivor Forty One was a fast paced game right away, and the prime example of that is Shannon Ricard who had to work together and make a million moves to even survive their tribe and then knew eventually we're going to go head to head, but for now let's work together. And then eventually they go head to head and they become a dominant storyline in that season. And the game was played really fast, almost right from the get go with that group and with the yellow tribe, which included Xander um, and, uh, and a few others. Um, those isn't everyone doing that, Jordan? Hard. Just to push back a little bit, isn't that Survivor? No matter whoever loses tri- that challenge is going to tribal, so they are playing. They have to play the game faster than those who are but on the. Outs. I think it's. I think it's more the way. Like we've talked about this season being a slower start, and making the ob- is obvious the right word. Making the more simplistic votes early on, and the strategizing got delayed, and we waited for that blow up a little bit. And now all of a sudden we're getting blindside after blindside. And yet it doesn't feel like much is actually happening yet. And everything's going kind of the way 
you expect it to. Mm, the The pace of the game is different with this group. Sure. It's, it it was fast paced in that uh, in forty one, which led to the end. Someone who didn't appear to be playing fast paced won. Right. We didn't mm-hmm. get a lot of character build on Erica. We can talk about production, but also she's she seems to be quieter. That's that's her personality. And so they played fast from the beginning. And you had guys like Deshaun and Danny who were playing. As soon as they got a chance to play the game, they came out playing hard, 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 ready to go versus mm-hmm. Sammy's sitting back waiting to make his move. And Jesse's just kind of moving his puzzle pieces around where he can. And Noel's fighting it a bit. Um, in that she's she feels to be on the bottom, but they're making these subtle moves and and Sammy uh, or they they spoke about that as well um, at Tribal. Right yeah. now you're making subtle moves. Everyone's trying to slow it down a bit. We'll get time to play. Um, Owen just wants to be on the bus with everyone else, and it's all getting set up to to blow up in our faces. Hopefully, at some point soon, compared to seasons that were a little faster. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. What do you think about that? Well, I think Gabler said it well. Like he said, this is a relationship game. You need to be subtle. You need to find the boundaries and play within them. Um, yeah. And then Carla kind of countered that, saying, "You can't always be so subtle. Otherwise, the jury is not going to know the moves that you made behind the scenes." Well, yeah. So I think there's an interesting dynamic there where it kind of shows both sides of how some people would approach Survivor. Do you want to be under the radar, or do you want to be kind of more in your face about it? And then you have Ryan who just said, you know, I just want to slow down, enjoy the experience. He's the one that I believe said, um, I'm, you know, just take it in. There's time to play the game right now. Right. Just enjoy being in the game. Um, and then that's when Owen kind of flipped the flipped the script on him and was like, no, you need to read the room. Uh, and then he called Ryan out for fishing for three hours. Um, and like you said, he said, you know, I want to be on the bus, not in front of it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, yeah. I can see all angles. They're just all different strategies. It depends on where you see yourself within the tribe. If you have the confidence to kind of make bigger moves at the time, if you need to fly under the radar, it just depends on the social status, which I guess is the whole point of, you know, the, this conversation in tribal. Yeah. I just have an issue. I agree with all you guys are saying. I just have an issue with calling that like a social contract or a, a designed yeah. that everyone buys into. It's like, it's more that everyone just plays their own game. And sometimes you're going to have people that are more gung ho and, and play that aggressive style. But I, I just don't like the language yeah. or I'm confused by the language of this. Being yeah. Like a, this, I, a system I was, or this culture that we're creating. I was thinking about that. Cause you're, I think you're taking that literally on the contract. Like these are the rules that we play by. You make the rules as you go. They're very fluid. It's all mm-hmm. about the pace and how you play, how everyone is building their relationships with the, with each other. Um, is it subtle? And then the other thing I wanted to kind of push on is you talking about um, Andrew, just go with your alliance and that's it. That's not really the way it's played anymore um, uh, in Survivor. And it's these voting blocks that you go through. And whoever you vote with for one vote might not be the same group. Just because the seven voted together doesn't mean it's a lock in that they're just going to keep going with each other. And even when it appears that they do, that that's happenstance and it can change at any moment for them. Uh, and so just to kind of like alliances, the kind of Yule style where they built an alliance of four, took everyone else out. That's not, that's not the case. That's not what happens um, at, at this point in survivor. It is 
these voting blocks. I think Game Changers highlighted that really well. We vote in blocks. This group votes together now, and then a new group of three will form. We'll vote together, and then a different group of six will form, and we'll vote together, and we'll just go piece by piece by piece all the way through until eventually someone is there who's probably gotten it right most of the time, but they didn't always lead it, and they didn't always... Um, uh, they didn't always fall. They didn't lead all the time. They didn't fall out behind all the time and just go with the flow. They combine between the two. And maybe you have one or two people that you stick with in an alliance, but the alliance of six, the, the seven's not going to stand. A six person alliance is not going to stand. No one wants to do that because what the learning of the past 22 years of Survivor has been now is that if you are not in the top of your alliance, then why do you want to be a part of that group if it's a big group? Mm-hmm. Right. Has anyone and if even you are on the top of your alliance, you're a target. Has anyone I mentioned the word the alliance yet, though? Because they're kind of there's obvious groups forming, but no one's actually formed a concrete alliance yet, have they? Yeah, the seven we didn't see specifically. Like, yes, we are an alliance. I mean, a few of them. Jesse said I would be okay to ride with this till the seven. Yeah. By implication, yeah. it's an alliance, but. You're right. It definitely has evolved and changed from what it used to be where there's just not whatever they call it. They don't have that conviction that most people used to have that you would stick with it. Or even yeah. you would see tribals where people would say, hey, you know, you four, you're voting as an alliance, but one of you has got to be at the bottom. But that wouldn't really sway them. But now, it, even before tribal, that is what's used to say, as Sammy pointed out, like, OK, where am I in this? People are always reevaluating. Yeah. There's not this long-term commitment. And I think it was Cody that talked about, this is like a like centimeter by centimeter. I'm using, you know, the Canadian set system here. I think that he, he said, he said, he centimeter. did say centimeter. Yeah. He did. Okay. I thought he so. Did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're justified as Canadians the way, I mean, the whole world does that except for the U S anyway, sidebar. <laughs> He's talking about this game. I, he learned a long time ago that it's like moment by moment. I think it was him or someone referenced that, but just these oh, little, yeah. little nice. moment by moment. That's how Survivor has to be played because it is so fluid. Yeah, and that everything matters. Yes. Yep. Yeah. What was that? I missed that line. He said something about you know even a little comment or something. Yeah, he said body language, little comments. Everything matters. If it's misconstrued, you're you're done. Yep. Yeah. Misinterpreting one word or posture could be detrimental. I think was was along the lines of what he said. Um, But everyone in this season has been making moves quietly. Mm-hmm. things been an out loud big move no one's there's not been kind of a foot planted in the sand i'm moving against you uh type of move yet that's been concrete but then sammy yeah with the line yeah okay here we go yeah sammy with the line to finish out tribal council everyone's talking about trust and he goes trust it's a crock of crap it doesn't exist doesn't exist you can say there's trust there but if you break it once someone's out yeah all the rules are being thrown out to the curb there's a civil war coming and everything's turning to chaos yeah and he's the one that did that he embodied that at the start of the episode (laughs) right he's lied now to janine twice or he's you know they've been (laughs) not on the same page and then still goes to back to her almost i don't think he was gaslighting her but trying to make amends and she if i were in her shoes i'd be like dude like you've burned me twice in a row here like this is two times so yeah he is embodying that but it's this is what i was saying before with this these ways we talk about survivor and yes it does change a lot but at the, at the heart of it how can you it's not a game of trust you just have to everyone is out there for themselves and 
you can't trust anyone. You can celebrate, take the million and take them out for a, a party after your friends there, but only one person's going to walk away. You guys have both played Survivor at Home and Ryan Survivor at Home Light. Like there's even in these mini versions, a sense of like, this is this is not ultimately a team game as much as I do have to. I, yeah, I guess you do have to put your trust temporarily in someone, but it's, it is BS. Like it is not for any length of time, I will happily betray someone or at least I should mm-hmm. so that I can be the one left standing. To play to play Survivor properly, effectively, and to win, you've got to work with others, but it's about yourself. Sorry. With that, let's get to the vote. <laughs> yeah. Um. So first off, advantages. No advantages are played. The only question I had was, would Janine think about playing the shot in the dark? Uh, but she didn't. She didn't play it. I thought that would have been interesting if she did. Um, if she had an idea of where votes might land, if she's getting a lot of votes or not, it, it was an idea to play it, uh, but she decided not to. It was interesting because just before this is backtracking a bit, but before they went to tribal, I think it was Cassidy who was talking about getting a unanimous vote. And uh, you you want to have these, these divisions and factions and people want to vote for Ryan and people want to vote for Janine, but ultimately everyone kind of wants it to be easy, straightforward and unanimous. Uh, and so that was kind of playing in my mind as the first vote gets read Janine. And then the second vote is Ryan. And the third vote is Ryan. And I went, did they seriously all go Ryan? Did that just happen? This guy going out to fish for three hours was one of the biggest survivor. Mis- and then Janine, 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 yeah. Janine, all the way through to finish it out. And to Andrew's, I'm sure, disappointment, the only thing that Jeff Probst says after the <laughs> after the votes are read, other than you know ushering Janine off and and the tribe has spoken, to everyone else is just have a grab your torches, have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow. That's not me. That's Alex. He was the oh, one that's whining. Alex who was disappointed. Sorry. Yeah, he's uh, now that he's out. a winner like yourself, he's just a little spoiled and. <laughs> <laughs> needs to be sent off with a, a kiss, you know, and a, a I mint, mean, chalk if you, under his if you want to bring and... that up again about winning, like we'll have that conversation. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, do you think you'll be in that seat one day? I would definitely be more humble. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> his face just went completely red on that. Yeah. Okay. I believe you. I love it. Yeah. No, that's Alex. Just for the record, he was the one. So Janine goes, goes out. Um, it was a tough, tough three, four, five days for her in a row. Plus, I don't know how tough it like what it was like for her before that, but definitely the last couple of days with losing a whole bunch of allies. She heads out. Then we get a teaser for next week. Ooh. So okay, this teaser was very Nuts. interesting yeah. because one, the the challenge in the background to look way too much into this in the background looked like it was only for half the people, and then there's two immunity necklaces, and mm. I think there was a line in there. I thought I caught it where Jeff said, "And two people going home." Yes, he did. He did. Okay, yep. that did. Now, there's a little bit of skeptic in me that thinks that that was a voiceover, and so it's misconstruing the truth, and it's actually just one person going home. But what it looks like to me is the setup of two two different groups going to tribal. They did this in the last two. Now that I think about it, they did this in the last two seasons, didn't they? Two different groups go to tribal? Am I completely wrong on that? Can you edit this out if I'm wrong? No, it is. It did happen. That's where we saw Nasir. We saw the big moment with um, the conversation yes. man with race and representation that right, uh, Drea right. and Marianne were a part of. And that was all part of the Great. 
seeing walk in and having seen the first vote take place, see who's sitting there, and go, and that really inspired what and and yeah. kind of triggered that conversation. So, okay, so yeah, they're going to go yeah. two different two different groups to tribal, two groups of five. Yeah, that'll be very interesting because that's where a major shakeup can happen in this game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be heated. I'm still on the fence. I mean, we've done ones like that in Survivor at home. There's that fine line between orchestrating uh, people, you know, deviating from their alliances, but then overdoing it too. And I, it could be argued that you put someone in there. There's a lot of variables that are by chance by who you get paired with. And anyway, we'll see. It makes these, for great TV, but it makes for great TV. The other thing being these a vote with there's ten people left in the game. A vote with ten people is very chaotic. And the Russian roulette, the bullet hits one of them. And with 10 people, you can get ties. You can get good idle plays. You need to get a true majority. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, any vote, you need a majority. But uh, like with an odd number, it's just five versus four. So if five really want to make a difference, then they go for it. But with 10 or any even number, you've got to work those numbers out and, and get the the true majority through it. So yeah, there's just a lot with a 10-person vote. But at the same time, Five people votes can be very interesting and more people feel endangered because of the the few votes going through. And you get the dynamics of you don't know. We don't know right now who's going to be in each group of five voting. Mm-hmm. And that plays into it big time as well. Because if you get any, if anyone gets the wrong group of people, they're toast. Jesse, Sammy, those who you think are really safe right now. I don't think Cody's in any danger, but if you get the wrong group of people who just one person step up, steps up and says, I think this person's been pretty dangerous. See ya. That's all it takes. It's all yeah, it takes. Interesting to see, that's for sure. Yeah, the cost to make a big move goes down. To take someone out, to throw a name out, it's now 1 in 5 versus yeah. 1 in 10. And yeah. there's less work to be done. So it's a cheaper transaction, as it were. Um, I did want to just... transaction. Uh, I mean, it's true, though. Like Anyway, <laughs> I did want to reference just Janine. We are running out of time. But to just reference Janine, um, not being able to turned it around and we i felt bad for her i know you didn't jordan but to see I, that i did this time around last <laughs> week i didn't have empathy luke and i luke and i took some sympathy but you did not but yeah you've turned around but anyway i it made me think of brenna actually in survivor at home season one where if you talk to her she talks about how she just felt because of some circumstances sort of outside of her control she just could never catch up with the game and wasn't able to play the game she wanted uh, i wonder if janine felt that way i felt that way for her seeing her sit there and just being like okay this has been a blow but i'm gonna try and turn around last you know noelle encouraging her okay i'll pivot and then this massive blow with the idol and dwight she doesn't know how to pick up the pieces but i'm sitting there watching saying maybe she can do it maybe she can have this really motivational story from being at rock bottom and she gets her way back in and gets up but then she gets voted out and so just that feeling that she just couldn't get it together and even with ali going and just a lot that didn't go her way. She's mm-hmm. watching back, probably feels that way and may want to come back and play. But all, all that being said, her then her little confessional as she's leaving was very positive. She mm-hmm. she really had a good attitude within that. And I yeah. appreciated uh, hearing what she said. But yeah, that just reminded me of a bit of Brennan's game. And, um, and speaking of past players, got a shout out to London Steve, who called me up and said, I wasn't mentioned last week in the motivation, like minute by minute, uh, you know, people you bring to mind to inspire you like Gabler. He said, I should have been top of your list. So London, Steve, you're right. And he had a bone to pick with you, Ryan. Oh, trying to, <laughs> trying to uh, 
in our Survivor at Home light. Yes. Try and tell tell the audience about your decision there. So I was uh, I decided to go by the name Stoville Ryan as a homage to London Steve. Homage. So I hope he didn't take it personally. I wasn't harping on him. It was an homage to London Steve. He's such an icon. Obviously, I wanted to emulate. I don't have the brain of London Steve, obviously, but I just wanted to emulate maybe just a little, like a smidgen of his essence. Uh, didn't go so well for me, but uh, <laughs> we had a little chat, you know, in in, in the background there in uh, in in uh, the jury. So, okay, so it's all good. This London it's Steve, if you're listening. Uh, he's a fan, not an enemy. And keep that in mind next time you guys meet in Survivor at home. Absolutely. Nice. No thunder stolen, sir. I love it. Jordan, anything else nice. for you? Or Ryan, anything from your book of knowledge that you have before you that you wanted to impart on the audience? Uh, I can't stand James's voice. It sounds like there's a speaker in his throat that's broken. It drives me nuts. Laura comments on it constantly. And I feel like he's kind of... If there is a villain this season, I feel like it may be James. Um, and his voice drives me crazy. That's so it. if his I agree with the voice. Is it just the voice? If <laughs> if uh channeling like up, you know, Disney's Pixar's up and he it the thing corrects and he's got the high pitched squeaky voice. <laughs> is he is he the, the villain then? Or is it just the voice? Like how much how well, much then the, the voice wouldn't match? Yeah, the voice wouldn't match. I, Not I don't that know. it matches now, but yeah. I don't know what it is. I just feel like um, if you watch the show closely, they always cut to his reactions and he's always very disappointed in what's happening because he thinks he's in control. He thinks he's the, he, he thinks he's Ryan. Him and Ryan think like they're both calling the shots here. So there's a little bit of headbutting there and I'm excited that the possibilities of them actually bumping heads and, and colliding. But I feel like, oh he's the one who's kind of feels like he's the puppet master and he's getting upset that it, things aren't necessarily going his way. He really wanted Owen out. Um, and I hope Owen's the one that gets him out. His puppets are not responding. Yes. They are not. That's a tough spot to be as the puppet master. No. Um, <laughs> the broken speaker. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's a tough listen sometimes when, when he's got to speak through, but that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, final thoughts. I think just the proposition of next week being two pe- two people being voted. I think that's going to be an electric episode. So let's get to get ready for that one as we uh, as we prep and have yourself a great week, Andrew. Thanks so much, Ryan, brother-in-law. No, happy to be here. I've been practicing this all day, so I'm just gonna. Can I send us off with like a little soundbite? Yes. Oh, here right? we go. That's good, right?